When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Love the 80s? Then you'll love Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Chris Evans. Love the 80s. Over on Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. So Vassos is here. Aloha. Rachel's here. Greetings. Welcome to the show. This um this gin and tonic you had last night, mm. you had just the one. So a round of applause for just having mm. the one. Thanks. Couldn't possibly have just. I don't know how you do that. I don't, there's a, surely there's a Netflix series in just the one. Well, it was just the one gin and tonic, and then it was just the one glass of rosé. Nice. Okay. That makes that makes it easier for my stupid brain to understand. How big was your gin and tonic bowl, though? Because you can have bowl glasses. Can't oh, you? You can I've got these bowl, um, bowl lovely cut glass crystal glasses that right. used to be my mum and dad oh, so when they nice. moved house yeah. and they were downsizing and they were trying to they you know they used to have you know one of these big cabinets all full of all like their wedding crystal and then my mum was like okay, I need a smaller cabinet so do you want some of it and I was like yeah absolutely so I've got these like all these crazy different sized gorgeous glasses from tiny tiny little I don't know if they would be like a little sherry glass mm. and then lovely schooners cup maybe yeah and then like whiskey tumblers and yeah just use them whiskey use tumbler. them and enjoy them Yes, all right. For me, the big gin and tonic bowl glasses are good because yes. they come in at the top at the rim. They're bi- they are big and they are bowly. Bulbous. And that what, what that means is that you can fill them with ice. And if you fill them with ice first before you put any liquid in, what happens there is the glass gets so cold that acts as like a mini refrigerator. And because the rim comes in at the top, it holds in the coolness of the whole atmosphere. And that keeps the glass really, really cold. So when you put... When you mix your gin and tonic, the ice, because a lot of people are worried about putting too much ice in because it waters down the gin and tonic. It does if you put the ice in after you mix the drink. But if you put the ice in first and you really chill the glass, then that will keep the ice ice for longer, even when you add the liquid. And that's how you do that thing. I've also got those whiskey rocks, which are those like silver solid ice cubes that mm. you keep in the freezer. So you put them in to keep yeah. it cold and they don't dilute. They don't dilute. Good. Any any um, cold drink hacks for this sizzling hot day, Vassos? <laughs> well, it's just the glass itself, the shape of the glass itself. Oh, very important. Can can really change your mood. Without I mean, question. I know that, you know, a champagne flute, the tall, thin one, yes. that's really good at keeping in the bubbles. Uh-huh. But I have a friend, Claudia, and she went, we ran out for cocktails on Friday night and she, was, she said, I, I don't really mind what, the alcohol is, but what I'd like is a coupe, a glass. Oh, which like is, a coupe. Yeah, a coupe not glass. To, yeah, but not on a day like today because you're going to warm the glass up with your hand too much. So that's great for a, a glass of red wine outside. So you warm your glasses, mm. you get your wine up to room temperature, and then if you take it outside, if you buy a fire pit, I always put it by just under the fire pit to keep it warm. If not, then you lovingly cup it in your hands. But a day like today, you're going to be melting that. That yeah, drink. you will. But before you do, you'll feel very debonair and chic. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could have a prop drink. <laughs> yes, but you're not. That doesn't have any alcohol. That's in it. all about your emotions. It is. Uh, hi, Chris. Can you please give a shout out to the Three Peaks Eight Freaks guys who are starting on their journey to raise a hundred thousand pounds for charity? They start today by climbing Snowdon at twelve. They will then cycle between Scarfell and Ben Nevis, all under seventy-two hours. Anyone can donate via Prayatora. That's P R. A E T U R A dot enthused dot com and searching for three peaks by eight freaks. So you've done that, but you've done that in cars. That's quite impressive on bikes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really impressive. You on fancy bikes. that, don't you? I do. You I absolutely up. do. Yeah. You're giving it the old meerkat there. Postal <laughs> meerkat. He's popped right up. <laughs> Pop right up. Check right in. Vasis is going to do it again. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Good year. Please wish a happy 15th wedding anniversary to my husband, Craig. I love him so much. I love him as much today as I did on our wedding day. You should really love him more. Yeah, it should be more. What kind of text is that? Mm. Uh, We're up early to jet off to Isia. Uh, child-free for a few days, says Jenny. Jenny, if you want to retext, I'll read that yeah. out again. We can imagine that never happened. You love him as much. Luckily, After I love him. After 15 years. He said 15 years what to about, ruin it. What about the compound interest of companionship? <laughs> Steve Allen. 
from North London, please could you say happy 11th birthday to Ben, who has been awake since five o'clock unwrapping his stack of presents. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. We are now two sleeps to go to the Ashes first test. Mm. It bowls off at Edgebaston. That's in the men's game. The ladies start their Ashes a week tomorrow on Thursday. And I couldn't be more excited. I'm so excited. Did you hear? Because um, yes, so yes. Jack Leach, the England spinner, is injured, and so Ben Stokes, the England captain, thought, right, I'd like Mo and Ali to mm-hmm. come out of Test retirement. Yes. So, <laughs> so the text he sent him was quite simply, "Ashes?" Question <laughs> mark. You can't a- <laughs> say no to Stokes on the back page of the papers yeah. today. Mo and on why he ended Ashes exile. Mo and Ali admitted yesterday that Ben Stokes is the only captain he would have ended his Test exile for after answering an Ashes SOS to fill England's spin void. What a text! Yeah. I'd love to know where he was when he got it. Ashes <laughs> question mark. Oh my god, that's a brilliant. I mean, yeah, no nonsense. <laughs> Straight to it. A S H E. Five letters. <laughs> Five letters. Wow. Has anybody sent a more effective text <laughs> yeah. than that? Ever. Southampton chosen to host an Ashes test in 2027. Southampton will host a 2027 Ashes test as part of the new staging agreement for future international features. This is great, the GS Bowl. Uh, they've, they've, they've campaigned heavily for this. They've really worked hard on getting this. So congratulations, Southampton. Mm, it's huge. So uh, this year, um, Birmingham, Edgerton, Lords, Headingley, Old Trafford and the Oval... Um, but there is in uh, in Southampton there is a one day international as part of the women's Ashes. The penultimate ODI is at Southampton. Um, there's one test, as you say, which is in uh, Nottingham next week. I was talking about the Ashes to someone yesterday, and we were talking about the ladies and gentlemen's because the Ashes, the ladies' Ashes, used to consist sometimes of just the one match. And um, we have five for the gents this year. Do we have five for the ladies? We've got seven. Seven. One test match, yes. three, which is worth four points. Right. Um, three T20s, which okay. are worth two points each, and three one-day internationals. So they have an Ashes series yeah. then. Mm. And we, the men have a test series. It's, yeah, five test matches for the men. Okay. And so next Thursday is the... Test match. Only test yes. for the ladies. So make the most of that one. Yes. And we were talking about the fact yesterday that... One of the reasons I'm so excited about next, about, the, about next Thursday and about this Friday and about the Double Ashes summer is simply this. We don't know what amazing moments we're going to witness over the next few weeks to do with the cricket and many other things in life, but let's just use the cricket as an example for all the other things. But what we do know is that cricket and and all sport, all pastimes... You know, whether it's the theatre, whether it's cinema, whether it's you having a dinner party, you know, when love and attention is put into it and you get the best of the best trying to create something wonderful, the chances of something wonderful happening are massively increased. On Friday, amazing things are going to happen and we don't know what they are. We don't know what these moments are. There's going to be some amazing catches, some amazing innings. There's going to be some, some magical moments, perhaps in the crowd, you know, and all this is about to unfold when somebody writes a film or writes a play don't get me wrong they're amazing or paints a picture or or does what something creatively brilliant but we don't know what's going to happen that's why sport is so amazing you know we're going to at the end of the ashes series both the men's and the women's they're going to be these highlight packages of all these things that haven't happened yet but are definitely going to happen and i i think that makes me so excited Well, when when let's say let's say Australia are batting first yes. and England bowling first yes. on 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 Friday yes. uh, at Edgbaston, the first amazing and, catch, the first and, amazing know, four, the first Stuart amazing Broad six. Stuart is coming into bowl the first ball, and he's let he's he's in his delivery stride. Mm-hmm. I always think of that. I, I can't remember whose whose quote it is, but I always think of that quote because of all of that that you've just said, yes. everything that's about to unfold. I always think, here we go, stand by for events. Yeah. Events are about to unfold. They really are. Stand by. And what I also love about the the lady schedule is that, and forgive me if this sounds um, pejorative, because it's really not meant to. You know, we know that for all the wrong reasons, lots of ladies elite sports ha- has has lagged behind in opportunity and funding and support uh, than the men's game, which is completely wrong. But we know that if you are struggling to get a ticket for maybe uh, the the men's matches, you will go, okay, well, where are the ladies playing? 
you know, and that that and that the the scheduling of the ladies' games, the double ashes summer, is a wonderful thing for the equanimity, the future equanimity of sport. I love that. Mm. Don't you? So cool. So cool. So cool. This is all on the back of the lionesses last year, I think. Yeah. In the football, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I don't think we've ever had sunnier text. It's pretty sunny outside. I mean, it doesn't get much sunnier. It could well be the hottest day of the year so far. Today, it's going to get hotter towards the weekend anyhow. Um, but I think you might be outshining the sun itself with your text. They're brilliant. I'm up early as it's my first day of my holes and I am raring to go, packing to go to Greece early tomorrow and I'll be taking Virgin with me, packing my speaker. Have a great day. Anybody got a speaker? Do you have a, do you have a little speaker, yeah. a little portable? Yeah. Do you have a fan? Oh, no. Do you have a... Okay. I mean, did you have a speaker? Do you have a speaker? We have a family speaker, and then individual members of our family have their own little wonder booms. So, do you mean in their bedrooms, or do you mean to walk around with? Where, walk around with in their backpack, in their bedrooms, wherever they go, they have a little wonder boom speaker. Is that what? Is that the name of it? Yeah, the, yeah, it is. A, it, and the thing, the reason they're called is because. You can have your in-ears when you're cycling, but that's dangerous. You can have your bone phones, which is less dangerous, but it's still quite dangerous, especially when you're cycling. But what you can do, and what's cool, the kids say is cool, you put your little portable speaker in your backpack, in your school rucksack, and you get... When you're passed with one by one of the by somebody who has a speaker in their backpack, it happens sometimes in races, doesn't it, Vass? You get the... Is it the Doppler effect? You go, oh, that effect is so cool. And if you're the one who's backpacked the speakers in, I know this because I tried it yesterday, I still um, know as speaker, you just feel a bit cooler. Yeah. (laughs) So do you have one? No, I don't have one that I have in my backpack. You have your family garden speaker. Yeah, Yeah, which is probably a bit too big to put in the backpack. Try it. No, people do. People do that. They definitely do that. Sometimes they have a massive backpack on and the only thing in the backpack is the speaker. Like a boombox. Yeah. What, what was on yours? Was it your 80s playlist? You no, know, it was Noah's playlist, which is just the best playlist ever. Uh, he just, he's got it all going on. He has his Laurel Canyon, meets his dance music, meets his like Abbey Road, meets his Queen. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where he gets from. It's not me. <laughs> Mind you, Magic Mike's been hanging around for a while, so he's probably getting a bit of um, um, musical um, mastery from him. Paula, I'm on my way to work at National Express, enjoying the sun while driving. Eight sleeps until the south of France. Driving a coach full of people today, a really beautiful air-conditioned coach full of people to somewhere nice. That's not going to be the worst job in the world. No. By the way, always tip the driver if you can, don't you? Don't you think so? Yeah. Thanks, drives. Mm. Have a, you have a, and also, if you instigate the whip round, you seem like a bit of a hero yeah. at the beginning. You know, sit just behind the driver, become the driver's mate, and then instigate the whip round. About 20 minutes to go. Uh, we're just having a whip round for the driver. What do you think? What would you put in? Come on, honestly. Honestly. Fiver. How long is the journey? <laughs> <laughs> is this a whole day event? Are we all together for a weekend? It's a a two week tour. Two, oh, you want to give more than a fiver for a two-week tour? Well, we didn't we didn't specify it as that. I'm just giving well, you what you want. Well, that's why I need to know the information. Well, okay, so two-week tour, how much? Uh, 20 quid. Day trip to Bangor, how much? Day quick trip to where? Bangor. Uh, there and back? Yep. That's maybe a fiver. Okay. Chris, my favourite glass to drink from is a port sipper. What's a port sipper? Rubbish in this weather, but I feel so decadent when sipping from one, Emma in Bista. I think it's like a miniature schooner. It looked like something you find in a doll's house. I bet it's really, really, really small. Port sipper. You need a port sipper because port is too... It's It goes down too easily. You need oh, you need a glass that it's suggests got like a, sip. It's, it's got like a tail. Has it really? Yes. Stephen Scarrington. I can't see your screen. A beautiful day to one and all. I'm off to London to renounce my US citizenship, Steve. That's a big move, a bold move. Yeah. I wonder why he's doing that. Wouldn't you want to retain that? Well, I mean... If you could retain um, it. Uh, Do you have to renounce it? Oh, are, are US citizens allowed to be dual nationalities? Do you have to... Some countries say... Well, it might be he's trying to uh, have his nationality of another country, which only some countries will only let you have one nationality. Right. UK, you can have more than one. By the way, we haven't done any stories in the papers today. The show's um, sorting itself out. There's some brilliant stories in the papers today. We'll get to them. I promise we'll get to the... Stories in the papers today, and we have some sort of backup audio to go with the various stories because there's some brilliant stories today. Lenny in Chase Town says, 
Great Marlowe, my 1923 Odoms at the shows of Marlowe is Great Marlowe. So do you live in Great Marlowe or just Marlowe? Well, there is a lower Marlowe, which is called Marlowe Bottom, which suggests the fact that it's lower. <laughs> so you can go to Marlowe Bottom, you can be in Great Marlowe and you can live in Marlowe and you can live in Berkshire or Buckinghamshire if you live in Marlowe and I live in Marlowe but not in Buckinghamshire, in Berkshire, because we're just over the bridge, which is why Eli can't go to the school that a lot of his mates are going to and has to go to one six miles away, which is a shame. But it doesn't matter. That's, those are the rules. Can't yes, change the rules for, yes. for Eli. Try and change the boundaries. Hi, can't, you can't di- re-divert or divert the River Thames. Oh, you could try. <laughs> Take a big trench behind your eyes. Channel my inner canute, has been said. Hi, Chris and the gang. Listening to you with a cuppa in the garden. Our son's getting married in three weeks. Our other son gets married in February. And our first grandchild is due in November. Life is good. I'm not surprised, Joe and Grantham. That's all the fun there, isn't it? Mm. Cherish every day and make those memories. Why don't you? Uh, Daddy, not currently from the Cotswolds. Um, waking up on the final morning of a wonderful mini break with my niece, Emily. There have been many high points, but special mention has to go to Jordan, who we met at Quick Fit in Shoreham. He fixed my fit air con when we didn't have an appointment, meaning we are now no longer fearing the three-hour drive home. Fixing air con, that's, that's not... That's not easy. You've got to have an eye and an ear for that, haven't you? Fixing the old air con. Paul... Off to Mongolia. Any chance of a late beat, please? Yes, Paul, absolutely. I'm heading to the airport for Ulaanbaatar. Wow, that's a good... I've never heard of Ulaanbaatar. U-L-A-A-N-B-A-A. Two double A's. T-A-R. Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. For the Gobi March. 250k ultramarathon starting Sunday. Please wish me luck. Good luck. Heard good of luck. it? No, I haven't, but Mongolia is beautiful. Is that the second episode of FOMO this morning for you? Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Liz in Clipston, all you talk of champagne... Coops reminds me of when in lockdown my husband ordered 50 coops, these are, these are glasses, and a vintage champagne bucket online in anticipation of a party he wasn't yet allowed to have. We finally had a great Gatsby theme party two years later. Worth the wait! Boom! Bada, bada, bing! Oh, because you, you could do that really cool thing oh, where you do the, the pyramid with the glasses and then you start pouring champagne in the top. I mean, come on. Does I'm it all... work? I don't know. It works in the movies. Yeah. yeah. But was it special effects or does that actually work? There's that magic. Are they the Marie Antoinette coupes? Is that the thing? Yeah. yeah. They are they are based on her brassiere. Is that right or not? I don't know that bit. Dream come true for Sam Fender's guitar tutors. This is a lovely story. Sam Fender's former guitar teacher said performing with his old student in front of thousands of fans was a dream come true. North Shields musician Phil Martin was invited on stage at Sam's home gig at St James's Park alongside. ACDC vocalist Brian Johnson. I couldn't believe it. There's a brilliant picture here, look. I mean, come on. Yeah. He deserves nothing less. The self-confessed old rocker rehearsed ACDC's Back in Black and you shook me all night long for weeks in order to nail the performance. That is so cool. <laughs> it's very so cool. Cool. I can feel his nerves. By the way, good morning to all teachers everywhere. Yeah. Teaching... You know, uh, kids or or kidults or grown-ups or, or seniors to do anything wonderful, especially music. Yeah. Especially music. DJ creates his own micronation called Slow Jamistan. A radio DJ has created his own micronation called Slow Jamistan and has appointed himself Sultan of Slow Jamistan. <laughs> It's in an 11-acre territory in America. Randy R. Dub Williams from San Diego has visited every UN-designated country across the world and has resorted to creating his own nation under his rules. I like it. He's also created his own anthem, which we'll have for you in a second or two. Brides given a lift to their own wedding by a police officer after coach broke down. Brides-to-be Gemma, 35, and 36-year-old Sean Bachelor Thomas were en route to their wedding service in Southampton. Double wedding in Hampshire won the coach carrying them and 20 guests broke down. And so the police were just passing by and one of their closest friends stopped them and said, you couldn't take us to our wedding, could you? It is, it is sort of an emergency. They said, yeah, OK. <laughs> okay. We're not doing anything. PCSO Rachel Barry and PC Lucy Stonely. Come on, the girls who drove the brides to their wedding said, We wish them all the best for a very happy future together and are very happy that we could be there to help. Joint wedding is interesting, there, isn't it? Joint wedding. You know, lots of people renew their wedding vows. I wonder if anybody's ha- had ever had a joint renewing of the wedding vows, because that would be fun with your best mates, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. You like that, don't you? I like that idea. I ha- like the idea of having a party. How many years have you been married now? Uh, 2005, so 18 years, 18 and a half. I think we're 17. 
So I never know. I was walking down the street with one of my neighbours, Tony, yesterday. We just happened to be going in the same direction. He was going to his flat and I was walking Sparkle. And we just had a chat. You know, we just had a like three, four, five minute chat. And he's, he and Bev, um, they had their 20th wedding anniversary on Monday. He's 20 years. I went, that's pretty impressive. But then you think, you think, Atash and I, 17 years. And it creeps up on you, doesn't it? This, the, the longevity creeps, yeah. the compound contentment or the compound effect of contentment creeps up on you. And you suddenly think, you look behind you and go, oh, that's all us, that is. That's, yeah. that's a whole nearly two decades. Would you fancy a, a joint renewing of the vows? Not with Tasha and I. I mean, who would you pick if you could have a joint renewing? <laughs> oh, renew? I don't know. Come on, you've got to say. <laughs> I, d- I don't know. <laughs> Do you fancy that, Vass? Yeah. I don't know that I'd want to how share. How many years have you been married for? 21. Oh, he, he trumps every You trump Evan Tony. <laughs> well, um, I, I want to be like uh, Jenny and Craig, who I texted earlier. Like Jenny, who's I celebrating, I think it was her 15th wedding anniversary, and they're off to Turkey today, and she loves Craig as much today as on their wedding day. Not more, <laughs> as much. <laughs> Cold play fan mortified over ticket mix up gets amazing offer from the band when 17 year old Finley Galdins accidentally bought the wrong Coldplay tickets buying tickets to a cinema screening of the gig instead of the gig itself he was left gutted and fearful that he wouldn't get to see the band Finley said that he'd been chasing Coldplay tickets for months but on Monday Finley was left ecstatic after reading a direct message from Coldplay asking him to join them on tour for a date in Amsterdam all expenses paid Aww. Are you going to see Coldplay this weekend in Rotterdam? Is that where you're going? No. Oh, I didn't know. They're Amsterdam. We're Rotterdam. I guess you could get the train down. No, my friend N- Nikki, who lives in Australia, is over in Rotterdam to speak at a conference. So me and our friend Oki are going over on the Eurostar to hang out with her. Is she like a keynote speaker? She is a palliative care consultant. Nice. So she's speaking at a medical conference. All right. Are you going to watch? Watch her? The speech. No. No, we're going to go... You'll just be saving a place for her. Yeah. At a, at a at cold a drinks establishment <laughs> around the corner. We're going on a segway tour. <laughs> right, back to Slow Jamistan. And this guy, Randy R.W. Williams, he's created his own nation. It's an 11-acre territory in America. Why the heck not? I have so many questions. <laughs> he also claims 5,000 people have signed up to become citizens of the nation. The micronation in California has not been officially recognised by the United States, although his slow Jamistan passport has been stamped by 16 countries. <laughs> he told Fox News, I've seen some incredible places that many people do not get the chance to travel to. What's next for me? It's to make a country of my own. The country has a national anthem. It's called Slow Jamistan. I think it's going to be an awesome place, in brackets. Should we go for that? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. And I think it's going to be an awesome place. Country brings a smile to your face Inside our nation you were never alone Oh no, oh no This is Slow Jamas time Slow Jamas time is where I'm from This is my home And I think it's gonna be an awesome place Elton John We'll see you in court. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he he would claim diplomatic immunity. Mm. You can't touch me. Stay on your 11 acres. can't touch me. I'm a bumblebee. American nations like Slow Jamison are independent, but are not formally recognised by sovereign states. There are an estimated 70 around the world. Should we form one on the 17th floor? This bit, the 17th floor? I just want to know what, how do you qualify? What do you need to do? Which 16 countries stamped his passport? But of course, countries are just an idea. So he's extending an idea. I know, but that's what I found really interesting. Like, what do you need for other countries to recognise you as a formal country? Yeah, I, I suppose the more people, the better. Nuclear arsenal. OK. <laughs> I mean, I went from one extreme to the yes. other there. Depends how seriously you want to be taken. <laughs> the seat of power. <laughs> so Aussie Nick's just arrived, box fresh, from his cycling this morning. And he's got this new T-shirt on and we all love it. And it's a bit Spider-Man-y. It's got a sort of, it's, it tips its hat to Spider-Man. So you know sometimes when you get a fancy dress outfit and you get that shading that gives you a fancy dress night of perfect abs you know when you get that and the whole thing about a spider-man outfit anyway is they're quite flattering it's a bit like you know for the world of fancy dress and spider-man 
uh, in aquawear see a wetsuit? Because, you know, nobody looks bad in a wetsuit. Mm. Nobody, nobody, nobody looks bad in a wetsuit. In fact, nobody doesn't look better in a wetsuit. And some of us who, who some of us look the best, our best in a wetsuit. Pretty similar with a Spider-Man outfit. But obviously, there are more day-to-day reasons or you know, excuses, if you like, to wear a wetsuit than a Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> Where's the Spider-Man wetsuit is what I want to know. Ooh, for yes. a start... But what they've done with Nick's T-shirt is they sort of deployed a Spider-Man uh, design, but they've they've waved it up, so it's sort of secret. It's it's coming in under the radar, so he's getting the benefit of the 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 fancy dressed abs kind of shading definition. that definition, yeah. But under the auspices of just the gym top, yeah, yeah. Just threw this on, yeah. Just threw it's not it my on. My fault. I look amazing. He does look amazing. You know, if you have a, anything Spider-Man-y going on with your top, you know, it's go, it's going to make you look great. You wear the wrong T-shirt, you look like Wider-Man. <laughs> you, know, you don't. You always want your Spider-Man over your Wider-Man, don't yeah. you think? You look great anyway. Well, thank you. You're fabulous. Much. You fell asleep last night, didn't you? I was put to bed you by my eight-year-old. Isn't that the point? <laughs> of night time? Yes. No, I know. Obviously, I'm not. You fell was, asleep. Was... You f- sorry, you fell asleep early last night at 7.17, didn't you, Vassos? Oh, 7.17. I was so tired. I couldn't. I was, I was meant to go to running club. I'd sent a sort of rallying text. See you all. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a great run tonight. And then it... Came to about seven o'clock. I thought I am. I'm too tired to exist, let alone run. Um, and I was definitely too tired to put Mary to bed, which is my job as her dad, and she's eight. So I said, Mary, tonight you are going to put me tonight, to bed. Mary. <laughs> so she, 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 she came upstairs. She read me a story. What did she read you? Um, it was the introduction to the world's worst children, written by Raj, um, the Wait. shopkeeper. He was very upset apparently because he didn't get longer in the book. Okay. Um, and so he's saying, he's saying, throw away this book. If you're thinking of buying it, don't bury it and burn it. Um, if you've already bought it, then sorry, but destroy it and don't read it. It's very good. And he's very good, David Williams. Anyway, so she read me that. And then um, I said, right, can you put yourself to bed? And I literally passed out before, way before eight o'clock. Like How did you feel seven. this morning? Fantastic. Because yeah. the thing about getting up at four o'clock in the morning is it's fine if you were asleep before 8am. You still had your eight hours then. And I've had my eight hours. I feel great. <laughs> Sarah from Hilton. Also feels great today. Hello, Sunny Chris and Sunny team. Today's a big day. I'm having my cash removed after eight long weeks following a bathroom wet floor slip, breaking my wrist, surgery and metal, lots of pain and sleepless nights. But today's the day it should all end. I will have a bizarre tan line, no doubt. This is interesting for so many reasons. I hooked up with Rachel, our amazing physio, yesterday again, and she always tells me stuff that's so useful. So as we get older... Obviously, our muscles atrophy, which is why it's really important to stretch, to do some yoga, to use your own body weight to improve or to maintain any muscle mass you might have, to lift weights if you have that um, available to you. It's really, really, really important. And this is why, as you get older, you can still run long distances, but you find it hard to sprint because the first muscle to atrophy is your twitch muscle. And that's like your sprint muscle. It's your reactive muscle. And this gets us back to Sarah's text because if you um, don't focus on retaining your muscle mass and therefore also maintaining whatever you can of your twitch muscle, when you fall over, you have less ability to step out and save yourself because you don't have that muscle because that's the sprint muscle. And that's why as we get older, yeah, if you fall more... Sorry, if you fall, it's 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 more serious um, because of, of lots of things and complications, and you know that that can reduce somebody's life expectancy over the age of sixty-five by many many years. One serious fall, but above and beyond that, it's not above and beyond that. But before that, it's really important that um, you, you bear in mind a lot of people fall over because they can't stop themselves from falling over, and you may not know why, and you may just think it's your reaction time or your stability or your mobility but it's actually the fact that you just do not have the muscle the muscles or the type of muscle available to you to stop yourself from falling which is why you really need to do some muscle work 
Wow. That's really good knowledge. Well done, Rachel. Is she pleased with your progress with your ankle? So I just realised Tash told me that, not Rachel. Oh. <laughs> Rachel told me something else completely different, but equally, if not, um, more useful. Oh, actually, it couldn't be more useful than that, could it? So get stretching today. Do a little bit of um, anything, any muscle work. Calf raise is very important. Do that on any step or stair, anywhere, anytime, any place. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, this is the Chris Evans Show with Cinch, who don't just offer great quality cars, but also great quality service with a dedicated customer service team available seven days a week. Plus, there's a Cinch app, as if cinch.co.uk isn't enough. You can browse thousands of cars with the app, filter your searches, and buy your next car in just a few taps. The app is on Google Play and App Store. You can search, shop, and pay for your next car all in the Cinch app. It's so easy, it couldn't be easier. And, of course, you get all the same benefits like free home delivery and a 14-day money-back guarantee no questions asked other than where would you like the money sending back try it out download the cinch app today all right that's over to you who are we talking to next our next guest is quite literally a professor of perfection who proclaims perfect is pants his new book the perfection trap the power of good enough in a world that always wants more is out now so let's all learn to walk before we can thomas Curran. Thomas Curran. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas sorry about that. Welcome that to the show, good Thomas. Enough, that was good amazing. Enough. Thank you so much for that intro. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. <laughs> well, it's a good excuse to hide behind today, isn't it? Congratulations on this book. Thank you, Chris. It's a very useful phrase, isn't it? You know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. And don't let good enough be the enemy of enough or just good. You can break it down all the way, can't you, I suppose? Absolutely, that's what my book's about, really, trying to find the satisfaction, the pleasure in the here and now of just being happy with who we are and what we've achieved. Yeah, and, uh, you, know, by, you know, by all means, set goals and, and aim for perfectionism. It's a great vector. Just don't get hamstrung by it. Or, or... Um, I would say aim for, aim for doing better, aim for growth and improvement, absolutely. Uh, aim for perfection, maybe not so much. All right, you dare to argue with me um, but that's because you dare to argue with Barack Obama. <laughs> Tell us about what went on there, pal. The great man himself. Um, uh, well, I the only thing that uh, I wanted to do in, in that passage... So one of the things that I think in uh, popular culture right now, we talk a lot about growth, right? Yeah. Like Growth is this amazing thing that we almost do all the time. Um, and so the, there's a famous saying by Barack Obama, we mustn't let our failures define us. We've yep. got to let our failures teach us. Now, I don't have a problem with the second part of that quote. Absolutely. Fail, you know, we've got to learn from failure. We've got to grow and improve. Absolutely. It's the first part of that, that quote that I'm just having a little bit of interrogation on. You know, you can't let our failures define us. Because that says that there's something a little bit shameful about the failure itself. That we've got to somehow just... Uh, rehabilitate it I suppose as soon as we it occurs on the redemptive arc of growth or excellence and I suppose what I'm saying is that kind of that kind of doesn't allow us to enjoy the here and now that we're good enough in this moment that we always have to be doing something better and so it's that first part that we always have to rehabilitate fail it no let's let it in let's allow it into our lives let's sit comfortably next to it and enjoy it as part of what it means to be a human being yeah because you also also mentioned you have a bit of an issue in a similar a similar flavored issue with you know fail forwards fail fast um but that's because you are forensic. Let's go, let's go with the Fs, if not only phonetically, because um, you're forensic with this particular. So I quite like fail forwards. I quite like like fail fast. I, but I quite like failing because you know you, we fail much more than we succeed anyway, Absolutely. and it's all part of you know the, lots of fail. The more doors you knock on, uh, the more chance you have got somebody opening. The every no is gets you close to a yes. Blah 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 blah. Is that yeah. that's all, is that all okay? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong at all, in wanting to do better, wanting to improve, and and using our failures and setbacks and things not going quite to plan as as um as learning opportunities i suppose what i'm saying is that that shouldn't be the only thing we ever do all the time that sometimes you know for no good reason we just fail 
and it wasn't our fault. And and sometimes there's not really much we can learn. We just got yeah. out of bed the wrong the wrong side, or we had a bad day, or a global pandemic came along yeah. and screwed everything up. You know, life happens to us sometimes. And I think accepting and being able to kind of almost live in the moment, understanding that sometimes things we can control, sometimes there's things we can't control, and yeah. that's okay. So Tara Brack, radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. Tell us absolutely, about that. absolutely radical acceptance. It's really about facing the world as it is not how we want it to be um and understanding as i said that things aren't always going to go well all the time and in this culture we're taught all the time you know you've got to be the author of your own destiny you've got to push through challenge and setback heartbreak grief and whatever it, it, it else it is and i think sometimes we need to be reminded that as i said there are things we can control there are things we can't and if we can live with a bit more serenity of understanding that that's okay and we don't always have to push forward we would be much more contented and i think much happier okay your book right how perfect did you want your book to be then because it's a book about um perfectionism being the opposite of uh, resist no, resilience resilience you resilience. talk about that don't you yes so i mean obviously you wanted your book to be good <laughs> but you so if you if you if you think perfection is is um is as dangerous as, as or unhelpful sometimes let's say that as it can be and i agree with you by the way i actually completely agree with you i'm just messing about um does that mean if your if your book is heading towards perfection you have you sort of sabotage it a little bit <laughs> otherwise it's, it's not a the right kind of advert for your message well i i am because self- it's a pretty perfect <laughs> book i have to say well i appreciate that chris thank you for saying i am a i'm a perfectionist and so it, you, you know i think my editor has probably learned a very useful lesson is mm. to not get a perfectionist to write the book on perfectionism because it will take way longer than intended yeah. and at the end i'll be trying to iterate change edit right to the last moment i can't let it go and i think at the end she was ready to throttle me <laughs> because i couldn't get it off and it's true doesn't it because you know if you are any good at what you do and you're also a perfectionist you know what you lay down initially is more or less all that is required for the benefit of anybody else and then we sweat over whatever it is that we are worried about and most paranoid about which ends up being almost invisible to to anybody in, in the end anyway and actually can start to work against it Absolutely. Uh, I think the metaphor I use in the book is that you know even the, even the best of chefs can still overwhip the cream. Yeah. And I think this is something that we can do as perfectionists all the time. We can see things that other people just don't see. And I'll I'll read the book back and I'll st- still see things that I'm like ah you know you get the ick because it's like ah but you have to you have to really work hard to take the bigger picture, look back and see that every nobody else has seen those things. It's only you because you're the, you're your worst self critic when yeah. you're a perfectionist. Hundred percent. 100%. And that's why so many authors thank their editors in the acknowledgements. Because we've, you know, we've, Fast and I, are very fortunate enough to have written a few books as well. And, you know, it is, you get a great editor on board and they just say, all right, give it here. Thank you. Right. You go home now. Take a holiday. Take a break. I'll sort the rest out. Yeah. And you think, they're going to butcher. They're going to take a, a, a chainsaw to all my genius and all my endeavor and all my blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. You know why? Because it needs it. Yeah, it's like taking a sledgehammer to your perfectionism. A good, a good editor is able to cut through all of that. All the nonsense. And, <laughs> all the nonsense, yeah. All the useless, wasted, all anxious the hours. <laughs> all the over-gilding of the lily. Yeah. You know, a lily's yeah. fine. A, a lily's per- perfect. It doesn't need gilding. <laughs> Oh, my goodness me. Uh, tell us about Paul and Gord. Who, who are those geezers? Okay, Paul and Gord, uh, Paul Hewitt, Gordon Flair are the heavy lifters in the perfectionism world. Uh, two Canadian uh, professors, one's a clinician, Paul, and one is a, a social psychologist, Gord. And they've really been uh, kind, kind of the pioneers, really, in this area. They were the ones who basically took this broad, nebulous term of perfectionism and gave it some form, uh, gave us a model um, that had three core uh, elements and we were able then to sort of measure perfectionism and look at what it correlates with. So, um, I mean, they are your go-tos in a way, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they help you out with the first two or three. They, in fact, they got you thinking about things. By the way, brief, briefly an aside, ChatGPT, right? One of the, apparently one of the best things you can use it for is a, is a conversational partner in your creativity. And it doesn't mean that you're... Cheats will get found out. People who are hoping that ChatGPT is going to do the heavy lifting will get found out because it serves you better the better questions you ask it. And so you still have to do the work with the questions you're asking ChatGPT. But in a way, you're sort of live 
you know, human chat GPT buddies were Gordon Paul. Yeah. Uh, so they, they help you to to identify three um, the three main pillars or types of perfectionism, what may they be? That's right. So a lot of people think perfectionism is just one thing, like high standards or excessively uh, high goals um, and expectations for ourselves. But these two uh, people really took a... I mean, their, their research is so broad. They've spoken to thousands of perfectionists. And what they saw was it, it wasn't just those high standards that perfectionist people reported. They also reported a really intense social pressure to be perfect from the outside world so that I need to be, per- I, I need to be perfect because everyone expects me to be perfect. So this is something perfectionists are telling them. But also not just the social element of perfectionism, but also perfectionists that turned on to other people too. So you've got this self, I need to be perfect. You've got this social, everyone expects me to be perfect. And then you've got this other directed, I expect you to be perfect, and these are the three core elements that um, they identify. And you, you can, you know, individuals, famous individuals, can, can inhabit a couple of those. Steve Jobs, for example. Steve Jobs, absolutely classic. Other-oriented perfectionist often turned his perfectionism outwards onto other people, um, which was. Uh, at times problematic um, from from both reports of his colleagues, but also in his autobiography. Uh, sorry, in his biography, Walter Isaacson biography. Um, so Steve Jobs would definitely be another oriented perfectionist. Val has already texted. Hi, Val. Love you, Val. It's been a while. I'm loving Thomas. Working with eating disorders, perfectionism is a huge issue. I'm constantly working with my lovely patients on this. How to add enough, and that'll do to their internal dialogue. And then, in the words of Baz Luhrmann, when you find out how to do this, tell me. Lovely. Thank you, Chris. Team, of course, Thomas, I'll be all over this book. Give us some some other aspects of life where perfectionism is is continues to be a problem. Uh, many different areas of modern life expect perfection and I think the key one for a lot of people is social media so there's a lot of expectation in social media when you particularly when you're bombarded with kind of images of other people's lives and lifestyles everyone else expects it seems to be perfect so that's a, that's the kind of very so that's high social pressure for ourselves to be perfect too um, schools and colleges have become really pressurized these days and there's a lot of expectation for high and excessive achievement to get into the big best colleges which is something i see a lot um, and into the best jobs and also in the workplace too you know this kind of hustle grind culture this idea that we've got to sort of forge our own path and it's and it's all on us and nobody but us that can also lead to a lot of perfection so your, your goodies uh, there are also goodies in the book um paul and gord to name a couple they're probably the the, the two main uh, goodies but then every story needs a villain and then there's this baddie who came up in the 90s with this idea of positive perfectionism and negative perfectionism that's right yeah um, baddie <laughs> i'm not sure i describe as a baddie i'm only messing by the way if he's listening or his loads are listening i'm just messing <laughs> but i would certainly take issue with his distinction between uh, healthy and unhealthy perfectionism right. I, I think perfection by definition is an impossible goal right and it only stores up misery for those who try to pursue it because it's like a it's like the horizon the closer we get the further it, it falls away yeah, from us yeah, and yeah. It, you know something that's so inherently unattainable can never really have a positive element and this is one of the biggest myths that i'm trying to really push through in the book is this sense that in popular culture we think perfectionism is necessary for success i think it holds us up in the world it allows us to maximize and succeed and um the data is quite unequivocal really it's uh, at least a po- at least to a lot of mental distress uh, and it doesn't make us any more likely to succeed you say in the last chapter that the hardest chapter for you to write was the penultimate chapter chapter 12 accept yourself why was that um, and what nuggets do you want to share on the radio uh, within that chapter that can begin to help us out and hopefully um, seduce people into getting closer to your book absolutely so it was the hardest chapter to write because as I learned more about perfectionism and, and why it seems to be so common these days, one of the big things I learned was that this is really a societal issue. Like, you know, these forces that are bearing down on us are creating these inattentions that are, are kind of pushing us towards perfectionism. And so then it's really hard to write a kind of self-help book when all of the things that are, are, are pushing on us are from outside, right? So trying to figure out how we can change ourselves from the inside out was kind of really the wrong way to look at it in some ways we should be trying to understand how we can help ourselves from the outside in how we can kind of release those pressures and that's a collective question that's why it was so difficult for me to write that chapter because i wanted to let people know first and foremost this is not your fault that the way you feel is because there are pressures pushing down on you from the outside world that are that are um making you feel like you need to be perfect however inside that reality 
there are things we can do and we can still try to meet the world where it is and manage our perfectionistic tendencies even though there are pressures in the outside world and i think the biggest one is as as a title of the book is self-acceptance within that broad philosophy there's a few things you can do one i think is self-compassion is so so important there's an inner critic inside perfectionistic people that's telling them they're not good enough we haven't done you know we've screwed up it's your fault how could you be so stupid we tell us these things all the time it's really important to turn on its head so if we slipped up kindness you know if you screw up a presentation it's it's fine kindness you got to know you, you can go again next time learn from it develop but don't go in on yourself yeah, yeah. uh it's really really important stay neutral to it almost if yeah. you can yeah exactly don't you know i think it's so we we just instantly go in on ourselves a lot and i think it's so important to make sure we flip that relationship with ourselves so you and your student pals over in italy um, yeah. and you have these existential deep philosophical <laughs> conversations with people who have time to think about these things which are students um because yeah. they're pre-kids they're pre everything they're pre other responsibilities which are not necessarily important but it's it's what society foists upon us which you also talk about and you talk about this sort of the fact that our economic model is anti-us and pro-perfectionism because it helps from selling stuff a selling stuff point of view they say this this phrase in italy that translates to enough is plenty just tell us more about that it's so simple of course it is yeah uh, well the italians just have a very good way of understanding that life is more than you know stuff stuff and and they you know there is there's culture and there's food and there's conversation art and, company. and there's conversation and there's relationships and they kind of have a much deeper value on those things and then uh, perhaps we do uh, in the in the uk maybe in the us or places like that uh, which is more about what you have what you do how much you earn and all this sort of thing that we kind of have a greater emphasis on and so it's always nice when i when i travel to europe and I have conversations with young people because they just seem to get it completely yeah they just seem to understand that they you know they have the space for it, don't they? there's a space for it there's an allowance and um however having said that you know these things are moving into these countries very quickly you know there's a mcdonald's on the on the prayer de la uh, luca where we were in uh, padua so you know it isn't the case that you know it's complete serenity there's still like an influx of this new culture social media pressures to look and appear a certain way so yeah you know they can value a good wine and a good meal and they won't let those things get in the way of other stuff but at the same time they do have similar the wars are closing in yeah oh they my do have... god perfectionism is a bedfellow and a response to deficit thinking Sam Hogg in the conversation you two have read the book as well it's not fair um, <laughs> off you go so uh, you completely blew uh, one of my standard job application interview answers out of the water so you talk about how <laughs> People always say, you know, what's your what's your biggest weakness? And you go, oh, I'm a perfectionist because actually that's what they want because you'll work harder for longer. So now that we're not supposed to be aiming for that, what, what am I supposed say, to say? Yeah. yeah, what should we be saying? I think it's just about being, I, I think being open and honest about, you know, the things in our lives where we could improve on. Um, it, it's, perfection, as I said, is one of the ways in, in this culture that we show our employers and the world around us that, you know, we're willing to sacrifice strive. ourselves to strive so hard um, that that's going to add value to our company. But I think in, in doing that, what we're communicating is that we don't look after ourselves and that there are things in our lives, you know, rest, time with friends outside of the workplace that help us replenish and rejuvenate. And, and I think we're beginning to cotton on now that that's not necessarily the best way to strive. So I think, you know, just in that when you're answering that interview question, just be honest, you know, I would probably say I'm a little bit dogmatic at times. So I need to work on letting things go and being open to ideas and um, and and yeah, other people have their own sort of weaknesses and and uh, areas for improvement. And I just think it's about you know. And it's easy to live up to, that. isn't it? Because if you if you fess up in the interview, at least you, everybody knows where they are. Should you should they engage you, and should you want to work for them? Vassal's actually put his hand up to ask a question. That's how keen he is. Mm. Well, you you talk at the end about about politics and about you know our planet, and then you say that young people seem instinctively to know what is it you say? It's society that's broken, not us. Are you are you optimistic? I I think I have to be optimistic. I think we there are times where I look out into the world and think, oh no, <laughs> uh, can we change? Can we make these big fundamental changes that we're going to need in order for us to be able to you know live on a sustainable and habitable planet that doesn't require and uh, require 
exponential growth for its very survival, uh, economic survival, I should say. Um, but but yeah, it's really tough. These are big, big changes. But I do think that there's a lot of optimis- uh, optimism to be found in young people. I think they get it. They understand that, you know, um, there's going to be more to uh, life in the future than growth. And we're going to work out how we can live sustainably. And that's not just for the planet, but for us too. You yeah. know, growth, 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 and more growth is pushing us uh, all to uh, a kind of collective collapse. So we're working ourselves too hard. We're consuming too too much and it's creating a lot of problems. And I think, as I said, as I wrote in the book, I think young people do understand this, but changing it, is, it seems really hard. Just look to nature again. You know, I mean, she teaches us everything we need to know. You know, if you, a silver birch only grows so high and only grows for so long, I mean, it might get stronger, but it doesn't grow any bigger. An oak tree, a giant redwood, yeah. you know, they don't keep on growing. Otherwise, there'd be no room for anything else on the planet. You know, you grow to a certain stature and to a certain standing uh, and and then you go, right, okay, this is as big as I need to be. How do I get stronger, more interesting and more useful? And that's where we are. I mean, it doesn't land very well as an argument, especially a, a vote winner, does it? No, it really doesn't. It's about doesn't. the economy, stupid. That's the famous phrase, isn't it? It really doesn't land very well as a vote winner. There's a really interesting discussion, actually, on another podcast uh, that was talking about exponential growth and how you politically sell this. And it's really tough to do because, you know, the consequences of saying we cut, we've got to stop growing, uh, that, you know, businesses would close, people lose their jobs. Yeah, and it stock would be, market. And it would be really tough. So it's... Look, it's a it's it's a problem that we have to wrestle with. Uh, I'm arguing that we have to wrestle with it from a psychological perspective because that kind of intense pursuit of growth at all costs, irrespective, you know, of whether you know we've reached a point in life where we we can't do much growing, or even situations where there is less growing to do. So I think, as you say, we implicitly know this as humans that it's very natural for us to grow to a certain level, and then at some point we start to decline. That's just yeah. a, the natural life course. Um, and I think we have to also understand that that's both true for us and also for our society well it's a great book congratulations it's out now the perfection trap the power of good enough in a world that always wants more by thomas Curran, our guest today thank you thomas thank you very much have a great one you're very welcome love music love interviews with lovely musicians search virgin radio uk on youtube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist including george ezra it won't be like this forever so Mm. just enjoy it while it's here it's a really wonderful thing and james bay it's about me it's about my relationship with lucy sums up so much of what went into writing this whole album we're all works in progress i still don't necessarily know who i am and depeche mode's dave gahan remembering the late great andy fletcher I'll be honest with you, the first thought that came in my head was, I wish I'd been a bit kinder. Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash virginradiouk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.